Chapter 49 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1 by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Second Conquest of England The weak King Edward the Confessor, who succeeded Hardicanut on the throne of England, was better fitted to be a monk than a king, and throughout his reign he was a tool in the hands of the powerful earls, Godwin of Wessex, Leofrich of Mercia, and Seward of Northumbria. Godwin, who was his father-in-law and the most powerful man in England, exercised for a long time almost regal powers, and his sons Svein, Harold, and Tostig were granted large possessions. Harold was a man of eminent ability, and his generosity and uprightness of character made him very popular. When his father died in 1051, he was about 31 years of age, and during the declining years of Edward the Confessor, he administrated the affairs of the realm with great wisdom and ability. His brothers, Svein and Tostig, were men of a different type, greedy and lawless ruffians, who were a constant source of strife and mischief. Svein abducted the beautiful abbess Aedgifu from a nunnery, and committed other vile deeds for which he was finally banished. Tostig, who was King Edward's favorite, was made Earl of Northumbria on the death of Earl Seward, but he seldom visited his possessions except to extort unjust taxes. The long-suffering people finally rebelled and drove him away, and Morkera, a grandson of Leofrich, was chosen to succeed him. King Edward died on the 5th of January, 1066. As he left no son, the Kingdom of England became a prize to be contended for by a number of rival candidates, all men of fame and ability, whose claims to the throne were equally clouded and uncertain. The four candidates who claimed to be the lawful heirs of the deceased king were Duke William of Normandy, Earl Harold, son of Godwin, King Sven Estridsson of Denmark, and King Harold Hardrada of Norway. King Harold claimed that King Edward had bequeathed him the kingdom. This would give him no valid title to the throne, since the king could not elect his successor. But Harold was the only native English candidate who could be considered at this critical moment, and he was chosen king by the Witenagemot, which alone possessed the right of choice. This made Harold rightful king of England, but it did not extinguish the title which the other candidates claimed to have. Duke William urged that King Edward the Confessor had promised him the throne of England. He also maintained that Harold had sworn fealty to him, and had solemnly promised to support his claim. Harold had been shipwrecked on the coast of Ponthieu in France some years before. The count of that district took him prisoner, and turned him over to Duke William of Normandy, and he was forced to give William the stated pledges to obtain his liberty. Neither of these reasons gave Duke William any right to the throne of England, as neither King Edward nor Earl Harold could give away the kingdom, but what he needed was a fair pretext. For the rest he trusted to his valiant sword. Sven Estridsson of Denmark claimed the English throne as the heir of his cousin King Hardicanute and of his uncle King Canute the Great. Harold Hardrada of Norway based his claim on the Treaty of Brennerna, by which Hardicanute made Magnus the Good his heir. This was, in a way, the same claim which Magnus himself had urged against Edward the Confessor, but it had been reduced to an empty pretense since Magnus on his deathbed had surrendered Denmark to Sven Estridsson. 
The plotting Earl Tostig had negotiated with all the three foreign pretenders, and stood ready to sell his support to the highest bidder. As soon as rumor got abroad that Harold had been crowned at London, January 6, 1066, Duke William of Normandy sent messengers to remind him of his promise, and began active preparations for an invasion of England. He mustered all his barons, and induced a great number of knights from Anjou, Brittany, Poitou, Flanders, and other places to join in the enterprise by offering them lands and treasures. He had prevailed on Pope Alexander II to issue a bull approving of the expedition, and ships were built to carry the army across the English Channel. According to William of Aquitaine, he also sent an embassy to Sven Astridsen to solicit his aid. This must have been Tostig, who, according to the sagas, went to King Sven as soon as his brother Harold was crowned king, to induce him to invade England. Sven did not venture upon such an undertaking, and Tostig then turned to King Harald Hardrada of Norway without any authority from Duke William. Harald is said to have promised to send an expedition to England in the summer, and Tostig promised to aid him with all the forces which he could gather. When the conquest was completed, he was to be made jarl over one half of England as King Harald Hardrada's vassal. But Tostig, who was as impatient as he was unreliable, hastened to Flanders, and before either Duke William or King Harald were ready to set sail, he gathered a fleet of sixty vessels, manned partly by his own adherents, partly by adventurers and freebooters of all sorts, and made an attack on the southern coast of England. King Harald came against him with a large fleet and army, and he fled northward, and entered the Humber, where his fleet was destroyed by Earl Edwin of Mercia. With twelve ships he reached Scotland, where he was harbored by King Malcolm III. In the summer of 1066, Harold Hardrada was busy making preparations for his expedition to England. He had chosen the Solund Islands on the coast of Sagan, in southwestern Norway, as the rendezvous for his fleet, and by the beginning of September he had gathered a large armament of 250 war vessels and about 20,000 men. Before his departure he made his eldest son, Magnus, regent, and caused him to be crowned king. His younger son, Olaf, accompanied him on the expedition. He sailed first to the Shetland Islands, and thence to the Orkneys. The Orkney Jarls, Paul and Erland, had to join the expedition with a large number of ships and troops. When he reached the Tyne in Scotland, about the 10th of September, he was also joined by Tostig, who acknowledged him as his lord. They landed at various places along the coast, captured Scarborough after some resistance, and took possession of the coast districts as far as the Humber. The fleet ascended the Humber and the Ouse, but came to anchor at Recall, eight miles south of York. Here Harold landed his army and marched along the river toward the city. The earls Morgara of Northumbria and Edwin of Mercia, who had gathered a large army in York, came out to meet Harold at Fulford, about two miles from the city. A bloody battle was fought, in which the earls suffered a crushing defeat. The remnants of their army fled back to York, while Harold took possession of the neighboring district, and entrenched himself at Stamford Bridge on the Derwent River. The city of York offered to capitulate, and on September 24th Harold advanced with his army to meet the citizens outside the city, where the terms of peace were arranged. They acknowledged him their lord, promised to supply him with provisions, and agreed to give five hundred hostages. In the evening Harold returned to his fleet, but planned to advance on the following morning to Stamford Bridge, where the hostages were to be delivered. 
In the meantime, Harold Godwinson had arrived at York with his army, and had been watching Harold's movements. In the night he was secretly admitted into the city. The next morning Harold advanced with a part of his army. The other part was left in charge of his son Olaf and the Orkney Jarls Paul and Erland to guard the fleet. The day was warm, and as no hostilities were anticipated, the men marched without their brinnies. When they arrived at Stamford Bridge, Harold suddenly fell upon them with his whole force. The saga says that Harold did not follow Tostig's advice to retreat to the ships, but sent messengers to bring the rest of the army to his support. This was a fatal mistake. Before help arrived, Harold's forces were overwhelmed and defeated, and he was mortally wounded in the fight. The Heimskringla gives a vivid description of the Battle of Stamford Bridge. It tells how Harold, when he found himself face to face with the whole English army, planted his banner, formed a shield ring, and made ready for the combat. But before the battle began, a horseman rode up, spoke to Earl Tostig, and offered him the earldom of Northumbria if he would join the English. Tostig asked how much he would give Harald Sigurdsson, the Norwegian king. The horseman said that he would gladly give him six feet of ground, and as much more as he was taller than other men. But Tostig rejected the offer, says the saga. When the horseman rode away, they discovered that it was King Harald Godwinson himself. The fight commenced, and the Norsemen in their shield ring resisted stoutly the attack of the English cavalry. But when they thought that the attack had failed, and that the English began to retreat, they rushed eagerly forward in pursuit. The shield ring was broken, and they were attacked from all sides. A fearful carnage resulted. King Harald rushed into the midst of the fray, but an arrow pierced his throat, and he fell mortally wounded. Tostig now assumed command. Supported by the reinforcements which arrived from the fleet, he rallied the broken columns to renewed efforts, but the men had become exhausted on the forced march from the fleet. Towards evening the Norse army broke and fled in wild disorder, and darkness alone saved the broken remnants from destruction. This dramatic description of the battle is manifestly erroneous. The English are represented as fighting on horseback, though we know that their army was very deficient in cavalry. The English were foot soldiers, as we see from the Battle of Hastings, which occurred less than three weeks later. The saga writer seems to have confused the Battle of Stamford Bridge with that of Hastings, where the Norman mounted knights made repeated attacks on the English foot soldiers, who stood firm behind their shield wall until, by a feint, they were led to pursue the enemy and suffered a crushing defeat. The cavalry fight in the Battle of Stamford Bridge is not mentioned in the older Norse sources, nor in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. We are left completely in the dark, therefore, as to the details of the battle. We only know that at Stamford Bridge, King Harald Hordrada suffered an overwhelming defeat. There, King Harald of Norway and Earl Tostig were slain, says the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, and a great number of men with them, both Norsemen and English. The chronicle states that Harold Godwinson suffered Harold's son Olaf and the Orkney Jarls to depart with twenty-four ships and the remnant of the army. We may well doubt the accuracy of the statement that only twenty-four ships left. Olaf and the Jarls, who were in charge of the fleet, had both time and opportunity to hold the ships in readiness, as they knew that a battle was in progress. That the whole large army of thirty thousand men should be so utterly destroyed that only twenty-four ships could be manned seems quite incredible. The statement in the Heimskring law that Harald let Olaf depart with the fleet and the remnant of the army seems more worthy of belief. Harald had no time to waste. 
On September 28th, three days after the Battle of Stamford Bridge, Duke William landed at Pevensey, in southern England, with 60,000 men, and on the 6th or 7th of October, Harold was again in London making preparations for the still greater battle fought at Hastings, October 14th, 1066. In this hard-fought battle, Harold Godwinson fell, and William the Conqueror became King of England. The defeat and death of the warlike Harold Hardrada changed the political situation in the north. Sven Estridsson of Denmark felt that all danger of an attack from Norway was now removed, and as he considered his claim to the throne of England as valid as ever, he resolved to invade England and expel King William. Many Danes who had been banished from England, or had suffered other wrongs, were also urging him to assert his claim. But the preparations proceeded very slowly, and three years passed before the expedition was finally ready to start. In the month of August 1069, 240 ships set sail for England, led by Sven's brother Asbjorn, his sons Harold and Canute, and Jarl Thorkil. After attacking Dover, Sandwich, and Norwich without success, the fleet entered the Humber and advanced toward York. Northern England, where the Viking element still was strong, had not submitted to King William. The boy Aidgar the Etheling, grandson of Edmund Ironside, was chosen king when Harold fell at Hastings, but he had fled to Scotland after the battle. He was now in Northumbria, where the earls Morcair and Edwin were aiding him in organizing a great revolt against William. The arrival of the Danish fleet in the Humber became the signal for a general uprising. York was taken by the combined forces of the Danes and Northumbrians, but the Norman garrison burned the city before surrendering, and the victors leveled the fortifications with the ground. When King William arrived, the Danes retreated to their ships, and the Northumbrians returned to their homes, but as soon as he departed, the attack was renewed. William was unable to assail the Danish fleet for want of ships, but he succeeded in bribing the Danish commander, Asbjorn, to remain inactive, and finally to depart from England. On northern England he wrecked a fearful vengeance, wasting it with fire and sword. No such devastation had ever passed over an English community as that wrought by William the Conqueror in Northumbria. The prosperity of this flourishing district was wiped out, and its spirit and power of resistance was broken. Asbjorn returned to Denmark with his ships laden with booty, but the enterprise had failed and his own conduct had been reprehensible. In 1075, another Danish fleet of 200 vessels, led by Sven's son Knut and Jarl Hagen, again visited England and entered the Humber, but not a hand was raised to aid or welcome them, and they returned home after collecting some booty in the neighborhood of York. This was the last Viking expedition to England. End of chapter 49